0: Yeah, be sure and stay with us. We got a big old party going to be thrown out there, and uh, so we expanded the auditorium during this COVID thing, and it's too small already. Wow. All right, praise God. That's a very nice problem to have. It's just been growing and growing. We just had such a good time. We just didn't know exactly how to cope with the uh, COVID thing, so we just kept on meeting pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I had a ringing word for God, but I don't know. I just felt uh sometimes you just sort of go with your feeler, and I just uh, thought maybe that uh, the way we would play this is we'd be fairly aggressive and uh, with regard to meeting together, and you know, and of course we have our live stream and all that's developed. But it just seems that during this time we've experienced just a tremendous time of increase, uh, not decrease, and uh, the warehouse is one of those signs. Uh, many of you know the Mercy Warehouse. Matter of fact, most people know about the Mercy Warehouse. They don't even know about our church, but they do know about the Mercy Warehouse. doesn't matter where you go in this area. But that's our expression of uh, we sell things, but we use the money to, uh, for the weak and for the broken, for housing, for food, all that. So it's been a wonderful thing. It's been a wonderful time. So we never shut that down. And really, very little of the church. It's just wonderful to see how Jesus raises us up and how we've been navigating this time. And I think... Uh, The title of our service is Encountering the Risen Jesus, and that's really what we have encountered during this time. We have encountered a risen Jesus who still takes care of needs, who watches after us in our deepest despair, who heals our bodies, helps our finances. We lose a job, we find a better one. All of that. And uh, we should all be looking that way. And that's the way the risen Jesus is. He's just like that, right? That's the nature of kingdom culture. And we're going to talk about kingdom culture you know, every uh, city, village, area, I've been traveling through a long, many parts of the world, and uh, I started as a missionary, basically. And um, So it's always amazing to me how each area of the world has a culture. It has a an un, uh, many times unwritten set of rules about the way they view life, the way they view things, what they eat, and so on and so forth. And God has a culture, and the Bible explains that culture. And so the, the culture of Jesus... Helps us understand a lot of things. And, uh, and as we get really familiar with it and walk with God, uh, it just becomes downright fun because God's always for us, not against us. Any sacrifice we make, it's just like sewing. You get it back on your head. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So the most important event in any person's life is to encounter God through Jesus Christ. Um, because, see, God's an encountering invasive God. You notice that as you read through the scriptures. So we see, for example, the children of Israel got their start, there's Moses minding his own business, and pretty soon there's this burning bush, which I wonder how many times in the beginning he regretted turning and looking at that thing. You know? <laughs> but he looks at it, right, and uh, boom, uh, the whole Jewish race is born. And uh, that plan unfolding all the way down through the centuries to even us, who are the new Israel, and, and all together with the old Israel, the body of Christ, right? So God is an encountering, invasive God. We see Moses in the burning bush, Paul on the road to Damascus, this horrible terrorist terrorizing everybody. He turns out to be one of God's best men after he kind of blinds him just for a little while, lets him know who's who, right? So he's like a stealthy lion also. Sometimes he's just very, very stealthy. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So like lions, he can also be very, very quiet and sneaky, you know, and get you from another way, right? But he has his way, he has his his uh, uh, men and women that are now exerting force throughout the whole earth, and we're seeing some of the most amazing things on planet earth in the spirit, and in the spiritual world, I'll get to that in a minute, that we've ever seen before, no, that the entire earth has ever seen. So one thing that's interesting about God is he conceals and he reveals. And... Uh, And that's two good words for him because sometimes it gets a little confusing with the concealing part. But he only conceals so that he can reveal in a little different way. And so as we look at John chapter 20, we're going to look at some of the resurrection stories here. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. This is, of course, after Jesus has been crucified and buried. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So they believed that he was gone, but not necessarily understanding what exactly had happened, right? So I love these stories because these guys are figuring it out as they go, just like we do. <laughs> Every story about them, as you see they're. Ineptness at times and a lack of faith is our story. So you can identify with these people. They're just ordinary people encountered by an extraordinary God. And that's the same as us, right? So that's why I love the scriptures. You can look and see yourself in here. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, some of these stories, you're going to see this. He, Jesus appears. and We're going to talk about some men on the road to Emmaus. And he's sneaky talking to him, right? And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. And I don't understand how that works exactly. But anyway, maybe it was just too overwhelming to think that he could rise from the dead or that he would be around or maybe he appeared in a different form. I'm not sure. But, sir, if you have carried him away... Tell me where you have put him, and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. So as soon as she heard that word, she knew. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. That must have been an amazing surprise, right? After this, he, he said this, he showed them his hands and side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So we read these verses, and I read a little bit further, but um, just uh, wanted to go just a little bit further than just verse 18. But uh, Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus after the crucifixion is what we read here. And then we see Jesus' encounter with his disciples after the resurrection in Luke chapter 24. And I want to read from these verses because they're very interesting, this whole chapter, because it turns out there's a couple of them on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along, you know, sort of talking about the serious issues of the day, and uh, so I want to just read this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now this is before they know that Jesus has risen from the dead or have any inkling, right? They're talking with each other about everything that had happened, and everything that had happened, of course, would be the crucifixion and all the horrible things that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. What an amazing thing. So he's double sneaky. First he shows up and is walking like an ordinary person. Then they don't recognize him. For whatever reason, uh, he hid himself. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? Does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, which he said, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning Himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if He were going farther. But they urged Him strongly. Now, does Jesus still do that kind of stuff? We want it all laid out there, plain and simple, okay? You know, but he acts like he's just going to ignore them and keep going, right? But then when they say, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you said some good stuff. Let me just say this about God. This is the way we're supposed to be toward the Lord. We're supposed to be hungry because he does stuff like this still. He walks, he acts like he's going to go on a little further. He acts like he's not going to do something. So then we go, oh, I guess, okay, see you later. That's a weird guy. Well, you know, what are we, what's he doing, He's doing here? No, but they urged him strongly. They, they heard something. They didn't know what it was exactly. They just felt something on the inside, right? In our culture, we have a big problem. In our culture, the, the strength of our culture is the weakness of it. We just want everything always explained to us in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven logical order. And the kingdom of God does what he wants. Sometimes he's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Sometimes he's 1, 2, 7, 8, 12, minus 3, 8, 4, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is very frustrating if you want to bring some order in the situation, right? <laughs> I mean, had God do that with your life, you know. You thought you were obeying, and then it didn't look like it turned out very good, and then all of a sudden it turns out good, and then, well, then we go this way and that way, and finally we get to our goal. And all along the way, guess what's happening? You are changing, which is the whole point of the exercise, right? And Jesus is playing with them here at the end because he's trying to draw something out of them. And what he's trying to draw out of them is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he's trying to draw it out of them, right? But they urge him strongly, stay with us. For No, don't go away. You're saying some interesting things there. We're kind of depressed. And this is pretty cool, you know. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over, so we're going to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then, just when they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. Bummer. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us while we talk, we talk with us on the road and open the scriptures to us? So they thought we better get back to Jerusalem. So they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Hey, peace, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It's, it's I myself, touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said, said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, believe it, because of joy and amazement. He asked them, do you have something here to eat? I mean, he's just trying. Come on, guys, give me a break. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. I'm not sure what difference that made, but anyway, he did. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled as written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will preach in the name of uh, in his name to all nations, begin at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So I'll just stop right there. So here's something you have to learn about God. And it's very difficult uh, in a culture like ours especially to understand. I think more difficult in our kinds of cultures than other third world places and other places I've been, many other places I've been. But here's the key scripture, Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. So if you want to experience glory, you're going to be searching a little bit. (laughs) You're going to be in situations where you have to search out the matter. And he leaves it like that, purposely, so you'll find him but he gives hints and sometimes he shows up and does weird stuff to help you along the way but it's the glory of God to actually conceal the thing a little bit. So that's how God works. Sometimes we come to God we want just the whole thing to be out there playing da 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 -da, but he gives you a little here a little there because it's your glory to search the matter out and there's this one thing that makes the whole kingdom go around It's impossible to avoid. This is just part of the rules you know I mean if you play basketball baseball there's rules you know do this this time. That I can't do that. Da-da. So there's there's rules, right? So <clears throat> one of those rules is it takes faith to find God. It's our glory actually to operate in faith, even when we can't see everything. So Jesus is God's close encounter with all humanity. I love Colossians uh, chapter one, uh, verses uh, twenty five to twenty seven. I have become its servant, Paul says, by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known the Gentiles, among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's some mysteries revealed here. First, that everybody gets the gospel, not just the Jews, but everyone. Everyone every tribe, tongue, and nation. And then even a deeper mystery, that when you get saved, Jesus Christ comes and lives on the inside of you. Yes, amen. He physically takes up residence the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says here, Christ in you, in the hope of glory. You're already a citizen of heaven before you arrive. You're already in heaven's culture before you go there, before you go to heaven, right? And so this is really important for us. Because heaven's culture doesn't look like this culture, but while we're on earth, we bring heaven's culture down to earth. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we look through these verses, uh, we see that the world didn't recognize Jesus. Yet through, the, through him, the whole world was made, which is a surprising thing. And so it's really actually surprising that the world wouldn't recognize Jesus, especially when he made it. It's part of the sort of uh, interesting paradox, isn't it? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, meaning the Jewish nation. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So he came to his own, His own didn't receive him, but that meant blessing for the entire rest of the earth. Because then he went back to the whole rest of the earth and offered this gospel. And now it's come full circle, and he's offering it back. And so all are being summed up in Jesus, the whole world. And the role of the Jews was actually to help us see Jesus, to help us find Jesus, even though they didn't, as a nation, accept him. Many did, and they became the great apostles of the world, didn't they? So if you look at John chapter 14, I want to read these verses to us. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, which doesn't make any sense. How can he be two people? mean, how can can we do that? But uh, that's what he came to do. He came to represent God in the flesh so we could understand him, so we can understand who he is. So Philip goes, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I'd still like to see the big guy, (laughs) right? (laughs) You're fine. And we don't understand you very well, but we really, if you could just show us the really big guy, that would be amazing, right? Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? So he said, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The Father's I say, words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these. Did you you hear that for a minute? I didn't say it. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll be doing even greater works than these. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is heavy stuff here. But this is the claim of Jesus. These are the promises. And we spent a whole lifetime learning how to work and <laughs> respond to that word. That if I believe in Jesus, I can do the same works he did. And when I do it, the Father's glorified. And whatever I ask, he'll come. You ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it. You see, COVID's not a problem. Job issues. Inflation is not a problem. What is a problem is a church that doesn't pray. That's a problem. That's why we have a hope beyond anybody else. So, okay, we can say that cosmically, but it gets right down to your own household. How many of us have had to make some very difficult decisions during this time, right? I think we've pressed into the Lord now uh, maybe more than we ever have, right? I mean, it's just been uh, an amazing season. But not without help. And all we did was push further into the Lord. And that's why many of us are prospering beyond anything we could expect. And some of you who are finding the ravages of inflation or having difficulty with your job, listen, don't look only around or panic. Look to God. These are promises for you. I mean... If they're not promises for you and if they don't work, then who is Jesus? He just lied. Jesus doesn't lie. It's just a matter of whether people are going to encounter Him, walk with Him, and walk the thing fully out. His way. And believe me, He said this, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So that includes finances, that includes health, that includes every area. Not just your spiritual life, but all parts of your life. So, We're in this thing, though, we have to ask and we have to believe, right? And these things are tantalizing. I'll do even greater things than these. These, I mean, Jesus only raised people from the dead and so on and so forth. So we have to change our mind, our view, our vision to match what Jesus says and what he thinks and what his purpose for us is. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified. You may ask ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. I smile whenever I read that because I have made a lifetime of praying for ridiculous prayers, starting from the time I was like six years old. And uh, as a child, um, I love these children up here. Didn't you like that? I love kids and children's ministry so much because in my own childhood, I had this amazing amazing series of Sunday school teachers who were full of faith. And I'll never forget one of them as long as I live. Her name was Greta. I can still remember her last name. And I was like seven years old in her class. And she told me these scriptures... And she told me how to pray. Right? Taught the whole class. Now you say it in Jesus' name, you know. And when she told me that, do you feel the stillness in the room? This is anointed right here. This is why it's so important for your children. You're not just giving them like rules and nice little pictures on the flanagraph and blah, 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 blah. I mean, as good as all that is, but she taught me how to pray. And I was like six or seven years old. I can't remember if I was in first grade or second grade. And I've been praying ever since. I prayed all through my childhood. I prayed for everything. When I was a little kid, I saw amazing things happen. So when I got to be a teenager, I started asking for bigger and bigger stuff. By the time I got to college, I was really asking for big stuff. Got all the way into med school. Then I asked Jesus to let me go. <laughs> I said, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I had a great first year. Every grade I prayed for, I got. I just had this uneasy feeling I was in the wrong place. And then I prayed to help him to show me what I was going to do. And so we blasted out and I ended up being a pastor and I ended up on the other side of the world and everywhere else. So this journey God takes you on, it's amazing how he answers things. The risen Jesus is the risen Jesus and you encounter much of what you encounter through learning to ask him and interface with him. Prayer is not only asking for things, prayer is learning about Jesus. How he answers, how he does things how he takes you on these little journeys. You ever notice that? He takes you on these faith journeys. You ask him for something. But when you ask for something, it's almost always a journey. <laughs> you ever notice that? I mean, every once in a while, something will just happened to me, but usually I'm going on a journey now, especially the bigger the need, right? <laughs> so I'm going to, you might as well just buckle up, you know, get your clothes on, get your jacket on. We're going for a journey now. And it's a faith journey. And Jesus will test you all along the way. And then he'll answer that request as you begin to walk with him. And he'll just show you this and that. And then sometimes you go, oh my gosh, why did I pray for that? I didn't want that. He gave me even something better. He's better than you think. So we get this thing, we're laser focused on something, then we only find out that actually he not only answered a prayer, but he gave us something better. I think that that will preach right there, right? So you're asking for healing. Could he give you something better than healing? Yeah, he could give you the healing plus. And along the way, save a couple of relatives... And along the way, get you back into your Bible. And along the way, give you some peace you've had. Along the way, heal your marriage. And then, okay, how about that? I'll give you more than you ask. That's why the scripture says he's able to do exceedingly beyond anything we could ask or think. Oh, what a nice poem that is. He could even do exceedingly. Could? No. He does do exceedingly upon your ask and think. That's why you have some of your troubles. Because God says, I'll see you with that hand, I'll, I'll see you with that, and I'm going to raise you this. <laughs> good poker player, you know. <laughs> and sometimes such a good poker player, you don't believe he's going to actually do it, right? His face is like this, you know. Throws the thing in there, right? <laughs> but it's all for you. It's all for you. So I want to talk here in Roman number two about keys to encountering Jesus. All right? So here's number one. Jesus often, usually, comes unexpectedly. Uh, we don't like that word very much. <laughs> unexpectedly. We do everything in our culture to try to control everything, right? So that we can live a happier life, which is okay. But our whole culture is oriented that way, the whole world's that way, right? And Jesus, he often comes and he sort of shocks us and surprises us. He comes in unexpected ways. It's always for more, but His way is always like, He takes our prayer, and then He, like I said before, He, he does things in an unexpected way. So some of you are probably in the middle of one of those unexpectedlys, right? <laughs> and I've been through dozens of them myself. I'm learning to relax finally a little bit, but I've got to admit, this COVID thing came unexpectedly. It took me a little while to cope with that, right? But I'm learning, and I think I'm about on the other side. So are you. I can tell. The body of Christ is learning to get a hold of this thing, where we stand, what we're supposed to do. And uh, first, it was sort of like free fall. But Jesus comes in the midst of all of our diffi- difficult times, and He often shocks us as He comes, doesn't He? So I want to read from John chapter or Luke 24, sorry, verses 36 to uh, 44. While they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, "Peace be with you." Now. <clears throat> So this is that story that I was just saying earlier, right? And so Jesus meets with these guys on the road to Emmaus, right? And so then they come back and report to headquarters. They tell him, yes, it's true. But while they're still uh, talking, Jesus himself, he shows up unexpectedly and says, peace. (laughs) They think it's a ghost, right? And I've I've read this already, right? And then so he offers to get something to eat. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me uh, in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Now, the thing is, with regard to all of us, pride and the unexpected do not mix well. We do not like unexpected things very much. So sometimes it's hard for us to cope with God because he does just a whole lot of unexpected things, right? So Luke 10 helps us to understand this a little bit. Um, I want to just read from verses 21 to 22. Uh right after Jesus sent out 22, uh, the 72 uh, disciples to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons, right? So he says, I praise you, Lord, uh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. He loves it that they're just sending out these ordinary guys and they're doing this stuff. But this is something that we've really got to grab a hold of. So he doesn't go and get the religious leaders of the of the area, he doesn't get the synagogue rulers and starts training them, he gets this poor group of disciples, fishermen and ordinary people, very, very ordinary poor people. And so this is the way he works, this is the way he does things, right? This is really, really important because I think a lot of us would like to move in the supernatural and see things happen, right? But Jesus is so excited about this, he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. This is a real critical thing. Many of us want to see miracles, but we don't like the ordinariness of it. So we have a problem with this. I still have a problem to this day. I still have a problem with what goes on in the tent, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So we feed people. Many of you know that there. But we might not know. So we see miracle after miracle there. But I'm like expecting a band angels dancing all around, you know, of some visitations. Maybe Abraham puts in a word. I don't know, an, an angel or something that moves. And when they give their testimonies, it's so like, so simple. Yeah, well, I was sick for uh, 17 years and had this problem in my stomach. And, and she, that woman over there, usually Peggy or someone, prayed for me, and, and now it's not even there anymore. 17 years of suffering, and now it's not there. What do you mean it's not there anymore? But did you take some medication? No, none of the medications ever worked. Well, like, how do you feel about that? Fine. Well, a little bit better? Yeah, I'm really happy about it, but you know, yeah, it's it's just not there. Even the testimonies, like, wow. We live in such a hyped environment. When they really happen, these miracles really happen, they happen in a stable. And we don't even see them. You have to dial it down a little bit, way down. And so, what often happens over here, and of course I've seen this all over the third world and where I where I where I spend time. is I, I just go and make sure I go there and okay, now explain this to me again. Okay, because she, she said it to her, no, explain. Did it really hurt for fifteen years? Yes, I was in severe pain. To the hospital? Yes. Doctors help? Nothing helped. Till now? Now. And move your leg a little bit. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. All right. I'll see you later. <laughs> now, what am I expecting? I, I think I'm expecting, like, something hype from the stage or maybe, like, <sighs> the angels or a little wind blowing through there. Not, nothing. Just, yep. And the cancer ones are the ones that are most amazing. I don't know how many people we've seen healed of cancer. They come back and tell us. You know, the thing is, often the people we're praying for are too poor for really good stuff, you know all this surgery and all this, they don't have money for that, right? They just came, in, you know, I, I, I don't know, last week we prayed and like they told me I was going to be dead in three months if I don't, you know. Then I went back after you guys prayed and he can't find the cancer anyway. Well, like, are you happy about that? They say, yeah. Real happy? Yeah, pretty hard, happy, pretty happy. Okay. So, the thing is, I'm just learning a lot from ministering to people that are in a difficult place. And, of course, I've been in difficult places, and I have my series of miracles that I'm looking for myself, right? But when we encounter Jesus, He's humble of heart, right? And He deals with humble people. And I just think sometimes I worry about the way we even... uh, Ah, media, I love because it spreads the gospel so fast, but also there's a side of media that I don't like at all. It doesn't feel to me right many times. you know I mean I mean, they're just flashing these things on the screen and that and all this hype and stuff and and so I know i I've, I've never seen very much happen in that atmosphere. almost everything I've ever seen that was worth seeing that was just incredible, overwhelming and and uh, beautiful, and it's just been so humble and, uh, and not, not just once or twice but many many times so I'm just sometimes I got a little conflict in me trying to figure out you know because you know nobody likes a boring story so if you're going to tell it on television or whatever you know or at a conference or whatever you know but many miracles are boring stories the way they're told anyway but when you stop and think about it you know I go home and I'll say geez that person just wow she just told me that 17 people have been healed of cancer like in the last three months my goodness, and then we have a friend that goes down or someone, you know, and we're praying over them in the hospital and praying and, you know, and, and many, uh, and it's just painful, you know, but we see this other th- reality too. So I'm trying to merge those two realities into one, and that's why ministering amongst the poor is so powerful. That's why Jesus emphasizes it so much. God gives grace to who? The humble, Right? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 18 to 31. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are, believe, are being saved, it is the power of God. So if you think about it, even salvation seems so puny, so simple. How, how puny did you feel in front of your friends when you got saved, right? And they're not saved. And they're making fun of you and talking, you know, and you're just going, well, why'd you do that? I I just felt like, you know, and then you kind of go, oh, you know, right? Right? When you get saved, lots of times your your friends aren't going, "Oh, good job!" Or mostly they look at you, go, "Okay, maybe that's for you." Wow. Okay. (laughs) Right? And you're expecting something. How many ever had that happen? You're expecting everybody to be rejoicing, and nobody is rejoicing, right? So we see the same principle uh, with salvation. Then trying to explain to them what happened, you know, is difficult sometimes because you just made a decision to receive Jesus Christ. And when you made it, you were kind of maybe under a little dress or in pain. Then you wondered what you did. And then after a while, you found out that it took. And the seeds kept going deeper and deeper. And you got more and more curious. And then you started growing. And then you started reading the Bible. And it was like fertilizer. And, reading, and you go, wow, that's an answer to a question I haven't learned. Uh, I have, I've never been able to figure out. Now I know. Oh, wow. And then you get... And you know you got it bad when you start reading your Bible day and night, right? Because the seed went in. And you begin to, it begins to grow inside of you, right? For the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Oh, what a deal. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Wow. So that's why in this current state of affairs that we're in, be careful how wise you think you are. Right? Be wise, but don't be arrogant. That's what he's referring to here. I'm going to destroy the arrogance. I don't like that. You know, just let God give you simple wisdom, right? I just think it's a good time for us to do that. I don't mean we shouldn't stand up for what's right. I do mean that. But I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not, through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So if you need America, miracle, want to see America, you're going to have to go to humble places and go to a humble place yourself. Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, nor was Jesus. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Right. So pride, pride and the unexpected do not mix well. We want to fix it. We want to do something. We don't, we, we don't want to wait. But I see this story in uh, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to return to it. So on the road to Emmaus, right? And uh, I love that story so much, I just kept going back to it over and over again. Um, Now, learn this lesson, he says, from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that hour or day... Heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Well, i read that again. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels, nor heaven, nor the Son. Wow. But only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and ma- drinking and marrying and giving in, marriage, giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other will left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So sometimes I think because of the culture we live in, we think, well, somehow or another it's going to be more spectacular, it's going to be more obvious. I wonder if it's not so obvious. I wonder if it's humble and then not so humble. So it's important that we have eyes to see and understand the way the kingdom works, right? It's really, really important. And also I'm finding more and more that you see more things by keeping and watch and staying on this sort of channel. And to see God's supernatural move, uh, you have to sometimes just have eyes to see. And once you get eyes to see, it gets easier and easier to, for yourself to move in this, uh, uh, this time. Even here, this parable is so important. He tells this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And this is economics, agrarian culture. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take light easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. A lot of us have seen some really strange things happen with our health. I think we're more in touch with this more than ever. This thing has sort of reminded us of our humanity, doesn't it? But it was always there. never wasn't like that. It's always like that. you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So what we need to be is rich toward God, right? To encounter and keep on encountering. Jesus. So I want to just go back to this. Well, I'm going to keep on moving through here. So when Jesus encounters his disciples in Luke chapter 24, I want to read these verses again. Verse 25 to 27. How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now this is Jesus talking to these guys, and they're on the road to Emmaus, right? He says, "How foolish you are, and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You didn't know this was going to happen, right?" So the scriptures are lit, are meant to lead you to powerful encounters with God. This they also uh, also with regard to this second coming. I mean, this first coming of Jesus. He said, "You know what? You are an error." in Matthew chapter 22, because you don't understand the Scriptures, nor do you know the power of God. So in this generation, we need to understand the Scriptures and then how God works in those Scriptures. They reveal to us how He works, and then we also need to know the power of God. Paul said, my message and my preaching weren't worth you know, these persuasive words of wisdom or great show, but I just brought the goods. I, I brought power. You know, so He healed the sick, raised the dead, so on and so forth. Jesus wants to be found, keep asking him to reveal himself. But as you ask him to reveal himself, he may ask you to ask more than once. That's very humbling to ask more than once. But all through the scriptures, the Lord says that, and I'm convinced that part of that asking continually for what we need uh, from God is part of this whole humble process of prayer, right? But he tells us clearly. He says, suppose one of you has a friend, and you say, go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves, of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has to come, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, keep on asking, it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who keeps on asking, receives. That's the verb tense, by the way. When he keeps on seeking, finds the one who knocks, the door will be opened, right? And then it all goes back onto your relationship with your daddy in heaven. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake in sin? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? him? In other words, the presence of God to solve the problem, right? So the scriptures are meant to lead you to powerful encounters with God. It's just that the place we go. Even Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 2-1-5, 2-1, to to my message were, were not fancy. In that time there were very fancy speakers. And one of the reasons why Paul had a little bit of a hard time was he wasn't a fancy speaker. They had made oratory a thing in that day, right? In the culture. He wasn't that fancy, but he sure knew how to heal somebody. He knew how to bring down the power of God. So we don't have to be fancy either. Jesus wants to be found. We just have to keep on asking him to reveal himself, right? So when we go back to Luke chapter 24, there's something very fascinating here. So he meets these guys on the side of the road. He's talking to them and they ask him to stay, right? They want him to stay. And so he keeps explaining and explaining. The more he explains, the more the fire comes in their heart and they're just so excited and and all, you know, you could just, and as you read it and they get more and more excited, right? And, um, So, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? So, why did he leave? It's just getting good. And he left. He's gone. He was there and now he's gone but their eyes were open. Jesus wants to keep be found just keep on asking him to reveal himself so like we would have made a huge deal of it a big party here's Jesus and then he disappears right? So then later in the chapter he appears they go back and then while they go back there he appears to all of them right? Then their eyes were open the scripture says and it's just Amazing, right? So one thing I've found is that Jesus likes to be found, but he does it in humble spaces. And so I've been learning a lot about this, trying to understand. So you see, in a COVID crisis, we're in better shape than we think. I've never seen the church so humbled before. and I've never pe- seen people so humbled. So can you see, if God gives grace to the humble, and he's always working in this sort of atmosphere, there's far more supernatural activity going on than we first believed. Sometimes we even have a brand of activity that we think is important or a certain way to do it. And just when you think you've got God figured out, He'll come in the other door because He gives grace to the humble. And He doesn't really like to share His glory very much, right? And so we in the uh, two-thirds world and various places of the world, we've, we've become very, very aware of miracles, and um, one of my favorite miracles is, here's the subject we're on now today, uh, resurrection from the dead. And um, so there's two of them that really stick out to me, and uh, the reason why they stick out to me is it's just a good example of what God wants to do, right, in the world today, and how he'll use humble vessels and humble servants to do it. It's really quite remarkable how he wants to do this. And so I was um, uh, in India not oh maybe a few years ago with a bunch of business people and I think a couple of you were there at that time. Anthony, you were there, right? And so we're sitting there listening to these guys, you know. And um, so they're telling us about resurrections from the dead. And we're going, oh boy, this is amazing. So how many of you guys, you pastors out there have seen someone raised from the dead? Like five hands went up. So they start giving their testimony, right? So, all right, so who would like to see someone raised from the dead? They're like dead dead. They're not mostly dead. They are dead dead. They are, you know. Have you ever seen a dead body? Not too hard to discern, especially if it's gone on for like 24 hours, right? Something like this. So one of them stood up and he said he had been preaching throughout all of this area where there's just Muslims in the area, and he'd been preaching six months. And not one person came to Jesus, not one. Can you imagine? Six months of hard work, every day he's after it, preaching and teaching in every village you can imagine, right? So one day he's preaching about the resurrection, and you know there's like seven people there in a town, right? And one of them looks up. He's a Muslim, and we see all in Muslim area. He says, "You know what?" He says, "My my uh, mother-in-law just died." So. If Jesus raises from the dead, why don't you raise her from the dead? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking about resurrection from the dead and everything. And then he gets this body right there laying there, right? You know, and they're all watching. Not one single convert in six months. I've told this story before. This is one of three or four stories. There it is in the middle of, you know, a uh, little small village in India. So his utter astonishment and shock, he prays for this woman, thinking he's going to get stoned. He really was worried he was going to get stoned if he didn't pray for her. And she didn't come back. And she woke up. After that, he had no problem preaching. So, and so, like... We could be really excited about that, but just think about this. He's actually risking his life to do a miracle that he feels completely ill-equipped to do. Getting it? He doesn't feel equipped. So this is the whole point. To work with Jesus, he gets the glory. You're obeying, but it may find, you may find yourself in very humble, simple circumstances. So the thing is, that's what I'm learning. The biggest stuff happens in the humblest of places, right? And so we can pray, and we should always be ready. But here is another thing. If we have too much time to think about it, some of the greatest works that we do or have possibility to do won't happen. So if you find yourself in a sudden situation, an emerging situation, your immediate thought is, Oh my gosh! You know, I got to call the medic. Whatever, huh, Michelle? <laughs> I didn't think about you. I should have you come up here and tell this story. But she had an amazing story happen to her. I'll let you tell that someday. It happened in Mission Viejo, right? Huh? Why don't you come up and tell it? <laughs> Can we turn this mic on? This one, you got another one. Come and tell your story. It's been a long time tell the story. I know. Today's um, your day, and I didn't plan it either, so it's good. What do you mean audibly? Um,
1: in, my, I guess in my head.
0: Like I'm talking to you. Yeah.
1: led me here for a reason, so um, uh, the next thing I know um, I see this mom and she's screaming and she like turns to look at me so I'm like across the way uh, and she's like you were in my dream, she's screaming, you, you you, per, you were. Me. she's pointing at me and she goes, you were in my dream you were in my dream so I'm like, okay, that's my cue of like, okay, let's <laughs> What's going there? Good cue. (laughs) Very good cue. I like duck under and I go right to her and I was like, why don't you tell me the dream? What did I do in your dream? And She goes, all you did was touch my son and then um, he was healed. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that exact thing, (laughs) you know, so just, She's telling you, like, what I'm doing in the dream. So I go over, and they're just about to pull him out from underneath the car. And you hear around, like, you hear people talking. So I, um, you know, I've heard the, the kid got ran over. His head got ran over. The I saw the whole thing. Um, he's not breathing. He's dead. So you're hearing all this stuff. So they're about to pull him out from underneath. And I just, I'm pretty bold. So I go wait, 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 don't do anything, don't do anything, don't move, you know? And to the ambulance guy, and he's like, he's looking at me, and the cop goes, he's looking at the cop, the cop goes, do whatever you feel like you need to do. What cop says that? (laughs) I don't know. But he's like, just do whatever you need to do. So I just put my hands on his feet, and I was like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed. And then underneath the car, within seconds, you hear a little boy whimpering, like crying. Like you didn't see, you know, you didn't hear anything. So we pull him out. He didn't have a scratch on him. And not one, anything. No blood, nothing. So he, the mom comes up and he goes, Mom, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. And when I saw Jesus, Jesus told me that I need to go back to home. Oh, my God, I'm crying. I need to go back home. I need to go back to you to take care of you. So he like wanted to go back to his mom. But he saw Jesus, and Jesus... I was like, can you describe what Jesus looks like? <laughs> I want to know what Jesus looks like. You know
0: what I mean? Give me a hint.
1: Yeah. bright eyes. <laughs> he just said he had bright eyes, and he was smiling. He just said, you need to go back home. So, yeah.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty good, huh? So look at Roman numeral three: "Encountering Jesus involves simple trust. Seeing is not necessarily believing, right? It's so funny because uh, I want to show you something in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. This is one of the oddest passages in the scripture. Then 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> like, he's been, like, talking to them, had a couple of meetings, you know. <laughs> so this faith thing is evidently something in the heart. There's good news and bad news to this. The good news is that it doesn't have to be a bunch of hype... It's very spiritual for you to believe. When you believe, it's significant, even if you just believe a little bit. Matter of fact, Jesus said something about that, didn't he? He said, you just need faith, the grain of a mustard seed. Many people have been saved in this room simply by coming up, just saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. And they... They're having 5,000 doubts all the way, feeling ridiculous and stupid, thinking this is ridiculous, what's going to happen? To their surprise, they just did it in faith, and then God came. And they've been saved ever since, right? This isn't rocket science. It wasn't meant to be rocket science. It seems like Jesus is a God of humility, isn't he? And just the way that story unfolded, we see these other stories. And then we look at 28, 16 to 20 here. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. <laughs> Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's been doing miracles. He's appeared to them. They all saw him die. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but like some doubted. <laughs> oh gives me lots of space. (laughs) All right, that's good. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you think, well, if I just saw a miracle, I would believe. Would you now? It goes deeper than that something supernatural about faith. We look for clarity. God looks for trust. Trust is developed over time as we respond to the revelation God gives through the scriptures and through the Spirit's leading, through everyday circumstances. And we grow in faith. Actually, the truth of the matter is there's no other way to do it but to grow. If you're not growing, you're losing. Right? You grow in faith, step by step. Right, so I'll give you this last example. The step-by-step thing is really uh, a critical thing. So we have this tendency to want everything at once in God, do it all at once. As we pray, we want it all at once. God save the nation, you know, put the right Supreme Court justices in. Da 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 da. But actually, the whole point of God walking with us is that we change, He changes the environment through these humble prayers and people. And as we pray, we see it change, but often slowly. Sometimes all of a sudden, it just breaks out, right? Like what happened there. By the way, I didn't even know you were going to be here. That's amazing. That's noticed there, but that was a divine appointment there, Amen. right? And so good, is not it? I mean, it's just like, like, hey, you know, she gets some directions, and, and well, well, it wasn't, I mean, you're getting the directions there, but then you have to take that big step, right? Sometimes that big step comes right at the end of a lot of little humble. Uh, steps. So, let's give you one more example of this and how some of the greatest things I've heard of and seen. I have a friend in Cambodia. um, His name is Mr. Chun. He's so old now, he may have died already, but he actually almost died 20-something years ago. I've told many of this story already, but it's so perfect for what I want to say here in this very last thing. Trust is developed over time as we respond to the revelation God gives us. So, over time, we learn Right, and we get better, stronger, and learning to work with God. More faith, more faith, you know. And He encourages and builds up if we're willing to take those first couple of steps, right? So, Mr. Chun was always a great thing because we had just got involved with Cambodia, and it was just a hair-raising experience from every way you can imagine. Because the people that it, were still in power that actually caused the uh, killings of so many, many people during that time, the, that whole horrible thing that happened in Cambodia, and um, so it was amazing so we uh so when we went to we were, went with fear and trembling and the church started and uh, began to grow and I won't go through many of you know that story but there's this one guy named Mr. Chun, and we were in a um, slum area and uh, we loved to go to the slums that's where almost all the great stuff happened in the horrible slum and these people live like like in a little like 10 by 10 room and they're over like a green swamp you know and this is a whole and there was a slum you know so um, so we'd been witnessing through the area. Uh, we had a team, especially one girl, she'd been witnessing through the area and prayed for this Mr. Chun a number of times. And so uh, uh, in the course of time, he died, right? And so by the time our team got back there, they'd already pulled up half of the floor uh, of the little hut they lived in because that was the only wood they could have to make him a coffin. So literally, here's half the little room, and then the other half of it is in the coffin that was made for him, right? It's put in the coffin. And so, just a really sad, horrible thing. The woman's all alone. She has no way of support. Um, The guy did have a job, but now, you know, he's gone. And and so, one of the ladies in our church, uh, just before, they were going to bring in the Buddhist guys to do chants and do things, right, over the body and everything, the next morning, so one of the members of our church went and uh, uh, she was part of the Cambodian church and she, she just decided to pray uh, with this wife. First of all, got the wife saved and then prayed with her all through the night. They prayed all through the night. And it's an amazing story. And, um, and about 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, um, having died the night before, um, he woke up and uh, just woke up. So, it was an interesting story because, uh, you know, obviously they asked him, what, what in the world happened? And there's a little lesson in this. That's why I'm, I'm telling this story. There's a little lesson. So, they tell this story. He told, you know, he said he went down this path and it was really dark. So, he had never heard about Jesus. Not one time. Never heard about Jesus. So, this man's helping him. He says, he, he was in white clothes, he said, and there was a huge lake uh, and people were, like, burning in it. It was like, and there was death, and there were two really gruesome figures, and they had a book, he said. Now, he doesn't know anything about anything. Never read the Bible in his life, nothing. So he's, he says, and, and so he's coming down the path, and it's like a, like a podium's there, and he says, the guy looks, in, and he's looking in the book, and it's this demonic figure, really dark, and he says, you don't belong here. Well, he was kind of relieved at that, right? So he turns around, like this, he turns around, and he says, you've got to go that way. So he goes, but when he turned around to look, the path, all he saw was a dark path and a light path. Then he hears a voice, says, you choose. Now, he, he knows nothing about Jesus. So we just encountered this family. Nobody had ever told him about Jesus. Nobody told him about anything, right? His wife had got saved that night that he died, but he knew nothing. So he says, well, I'll choose the light path. He chose the light path, and instantly he was in his body, and he was healed. So that man actually became a pastor of one of our churches, a little house church, and uh, he grew in the Lord really strong. The day, I've told you this many times, but for you that are newer, <laughs> the day he was raised from the dead it was so funny, because um, he's walking down in the neighborhood, And people are slamming their doors and shutting the windows and everything. They're terrified of him. And they're all yelling, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, there's a ghost out there. And so they're yelling, there's a ghost, there's a ghost, there's a ghost. Heath hears that and he says, oh my gosh, there's a ghost. So he runs all the way back into his place. He says, hey, there's a ghost out there. (laughs) He didn't know it was him. Right? So, but Mr. Chun... uh, he, he, here's the thing. I've often reflected about this. Sometimes we make this whole thing way too complicated to walk with God. You just go with whatever light you have and God will take care of the rest. Sometimes I think we make it so complicated for people to receive Christ. Just go with the light you have. Just whatever light you got. He said, hey, light, dark, which one do you want? Light. Good choice, <laughs> right? Off he goes, right? You understand? So one thing I think sometimes people get intimidated about receiving Jesus, they say, all these church people, and maybe people, maybe it's one of your close relatives, maybe even brought you here today, you know, and they seem to know this and that, and you haven't hardly even read the Bible, and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and part of it is that you like feel ashamed, like you feel like, man, man, I just don't know enough. And our whole culture is like that way. You got to be, this is the expert culture. You got to know a lot. You know, you got to get up on it, right? Get the man, you don't read all about it. Christianity is the opposite of this. You respond from your heart and you say, I want Jesus. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm a little afraid of where that's going to take me, (laughs) but I got to have Jesus. I got to have Jesus. Right? Choose the path, light or dark. I have no idea. He had no idea what was on that path. And of course, when we finally came and met him there, you know, and we prayed a little bit more clearly. Well, you, the light's Jesus. Just ask Jesus to come. Sure, okay, fine. <laughs> Your wife and I were praying, and that's when you came back. Oh, good. Okay, fine. That's how it happened. All right, fine. And then he walked with God the rest of his life, and uh, pastor to church and everything, right? But the thing is, in a knowledge-oriented culture, an expert-oriented culture, Everybody thinks that you got to be an expert. You got to do it. Da, da, da. And some of us stay away from the Lord because we we think we don't know enough. And maybe your wife or your husband or a friend can spout off all the scripture. Maybe a brother or sister. So to the place where it gets ridiculous, you say, "Well, I'm just not into that kind of stuff." But walking with God's humble, he's humble of heart. They want him to stay longer. This man walking along with him, then he disappears. He he doesn't put those airs. In. He He's humble of heart, gentle and humble of heart. And you just get started and you may may a fact God gives grace to the humble. So the moment you've been humble and received Jesus, you just keep on walking with God like that through every miracle you need, every need you need, right? Everything, you know? And then those great things happen. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why greater things don't happen is because we just have too much pride in our culture. And, that's, and i and I thought about this so many times. And even like what we see out here all the time with people getting healed of every kind of cancer and everything, it's so humble. So I think that's a matter of heart and not just social position, right? And I just got this good feeling there's been a time when during this season we've been really humbled. The whole culture has been humbled. We're humbled by everything. Just turn the corner and there's another thing to humble you, you know? Wars and rumors of wars and everything. What a great time to know Jesus. What a great time to turn, choose the light path, even if you don't understand it. Amen. That's especially good. That means you're especially spiritual because <laughs> God gives grace to the humble. Right? You're not carrying attitudes. We're not making a big show of it, whatever, right? Or maybe today, you need healing. Well, I never received healing. I never prayed. I don't even know if I believe in healing. Can I just tell you some of the greatest miracles I ever heard? and saw with my own hands, when I prayed for people or people who didn't even believe in healing. Didn't believe in Jesus. Didn't believe anything. There's something inside of them. Some little light switch turned on and they thought, I'll give it a chance. Let's all stand. So I'm going to do two things. I'm not going to make anybody come up to the front or challenge you to come to the front. I'm going to challenge you in this moment if you're not certain that you really know the Lord or have been walking with the Lord why don't you just make a decision right now to do so between you and Jesus. Alright? Why don't you just do that right now? Alright, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray that anyone wants to receive Jesus you would help them right now. And if you're saying in your heart, I want Jesus, why don't you just say to God in your thoughts or out loud? I don't care. I want Jesus. I want you, Jesus. I don't know how, but I want you. In this moment, while we're praying. Just do that. By the way, Jesus is a very good listener. He hears everything. If you mean it with your heart, I'd like to explore this pathway. I choose the light pathway. I don't know exactly what's going to mean for me, but I would like to do this. Just go ahead. Right now. Now i want to also do another thing. If you want healing, a restoration in your family, just say that, Lord, I want my family healed. It's telling. You may not have prayed in your whole life. Maybe you've never prayed for your family or household, but you know something's wrong and not very good. Lord, heal my family. And I think what I'm going to do now is just ask for a bigger step of faith. Not too much. It'll just require walking about 30 steps. If you're sick in your body in some way and need healing... I'd like you just to walk up here to the front and we're going to pray for you, all right? And I'd like our ministry team just to come across the front of the auditorium and they'll be glad to pray for you, okay? So we have a bunch of people up here front. If you're sick in your body, little or big, what a great day to be healed on Resurrection Day, right? You come. Just line up across the front. If you're the prayer, face that way. If you're the prayee, face this way. Now, Lord, I just ask you to bring mighty healing here. I pray mighty signs and wonders would happen. As we come up for prayer, just come and uh, you guys that are up here in the front, just engage people as they're coming up. Say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Go ahead. Ministry team, just anybody that's up here in the front. We have some space right here. I'm about to formally dismiss us. We have a bunch of cool stuff we're going to do outside, food and things for the kids. But let's just pause for a moment, especially if you need healing. And we're just going to pray for you, all right?